The following podcast contains explicit language. Kevin Nagandi was right there, in the thick of it. Four rows back, behind the end zone, at State Farm Stadium in Arizona. He was living and dying with every play. I'm losing my mind. I can't believe they, they can't make one stop. Kevin's eagles were collapsing right before his eyes. The defense couldn't get off the field. Every possession is just make one stop. Just make one stop. Kevin grew up in Phoenixville and went to Temple. Over the last two decades, he's become one of the most recognizable faces on ESPN. In February, he went to the Super Bowl with his family. The Eagles lost in the final seconds to the Kansas City Chiefs. Like Eagles fans everywhere, Kevin was crushed. His son was so distraught, he left in tears. Pretty frustrating, especially when you watch the defensive coordinator not make real adjustments against the best quarterback in the league. And you're just, why? I, you, you, the entire time, it's like, why, why, why? The Eagles didn't have any answers. Kevin wasn't sad to see defensive coordinator Jonathan Gannon go to the Arizona Cardinals as their head coach a few days later. As for the Gannon stuff, I wish him yeah. the best of luck in Arizona. A few weeks later, Kevin had a different tone when he announced the news of Gannon's replacement on the February 28th, 6 p.m. Sports Center. The Eagles have filled their coordinator jobs after losing both the head coaching positions. Seahawks associate head coach Sean Desai will be the new defensive coordinator, while QB coach Brian Johnson promoted. On- I think anybody that watches me, you can tell that you know my voice inflection changes quite often. When there's a story that uh, you know I'm smiling while reading it, there's no doubt. There was a lot about Sean Desai's credentials that Kevin liked, especially the fact that Sean got his start where Kevin went to school, Temple, and was part of a coaching staff that essentially brought the football program back from life support. But Kevin's reasons for keeping tabs on Sean went much deeper than that. It was personal. Both of them are first-generation Indian Americans. In each of their respective fields, whether it's Kevin in sports broadcasting or Sean coaching football, at one point they really couldn't find anyone who looked like them. Kevin and Sean are changing that. I beam right now. I wish the listener could understand. Like It, it just takes such hard work and an intense commitment because when you get into this business, being a, any sport, being of Indian American descent, You don't have like a a phone call or a guy. What you do is, all right, I'll outwork everybody. Sean Desai's story is an immigrant story. It's a reflection of how elements of Indian culture, education, hard work, family, helped him succeed in America. Sean might be the first coordinator in NFL history to come from Indian descent, but as he gets ready for his first season with the Eagles, he wants you to know that he's focused on football, not being the first of a kind. I try to enter this job as trying to be the best defensive coordinator in the NFL, right, and being the best defensive coordinator I can be, not being the best Indian defensive coordinator or not being the best whatever. My job is to be a defensive coordinator. I've been hired to be a defensive coordinator. I have to be the best defensive coordinator. I'm Jeff McClain. I'm the Eagles beat reporter for the Philadelphia Inquirer. And this is Uncovering the Birds, 
a Philadelphia Inquirer, and KYW News Radio original podcast, sponsored by Wawa. Episode 10 One of Us. Sean Desai played a lot of sports growing up. Football came late. I didn't play until freshman year of high school. Probably for a lot of reasons. You know, basketball was my first passion, and baseball played that coming up. Soccer played that coming up. And we didn't really have much access or exposure to football, to be honest. You know, like nobody in my family played it. You know, there's not many Indians that are playing it. So we didn't really have much of that. And obviously from an immigrant perspective, I'm assuming, uh, from my parents, it's like, well, this is a violent game. You know, why would you go do this? And, you know, we're Indian, and you're certainly on an academic track as you're raising to try to enhance your social equity and economic status in this country. It just never came up. By the time he was ready for high school, Sean finally got his taste. It didn't go well. I go out for the team freshman football. We're in indie drills, and I'm doing a backpedal drill, and somebody steps on my leg, and I break my ankle. Just think about that perspective for my parents. Like, you're finally letting you play football. You know, we know it's about a dangerous sport, and then you break your ankle. His mom and dad's worst fears about the dangers of football were confirmed. They didn't want to see Sean play anymore. It crushed me. You know, that's the competitiveness in that crushed me in terms of you see other people that you worked with that are on the field that are playing their tails off and you can't be there. And so that was all hard as a freshman. You know, it's all relative. It was hard. Sean's love of sports was born in his backyard. Both of his parents came to America from the Indian state Gujarat. When they settled in Shelton, Connecticut, just outside New Haven, they did what a lot of Indian immigrants did. They welcomed in other members of the family who also wanted to come to the United States to take a shot at the American dream. Sean's house was full of aunts, uncles, and cousins. Up until he was in the second grade, there were 11 living in his home. It was awesome. It was just great. It really was because I tell everybody, like, my cousins, my first cousins, they're really like my brothers and sisters. And I've got my brother, too. And so it was really close. And then, you know, we moved out. And then pretty much everybody eventually moved within, like, two miles of each other uh, in the same town. It was also really competitive. Sports were the outlet for the kids living in Sean's house. Football, basketball, wiffle ball, tennis. He was in the middle of the pack age-wise and played everything. I had a little bit of a John McEnroe, Jimmy Connor type of uh, personality on the tennis court. I've been known to break a few rackets and bend a few. Ping pong paddles, uh, they, they had, I was relentless with those. Even video games, and we didn't play much video games, but you know, you're talking about Nintendo, like RBI Baseball, Tecmo Bowl. You always had somebody there to compete with. So you're always trying to beat somebody, and they were trying to beat you, and you always had to kind of stay on your toes, and you didn't want to get picked last. You, know, you wanted to be on the best team. And so all those things kind of helped us grow, and it, it helps you grow together. How do you feel like living in a house with 11 people, kind of, how do you think it influenced you now, maybe just uh, not just in terms of career, but also just in how you um, carry yourself, uh, how you relate to people? That's a great question. I think there's a lot of empathy, a lot of understanding, and being in the middle of it age-wise, you have to be able to communicate. That's my personal experience, being in the middle of it. So I think that was a big part of it. And then the whole idea of family and connection and always kind of having somebody else's back. You need other people to help you and don't be ashamed to ask for help. And then when you got a chance to help, be willing to help. And that's kind of the values that we were raised with. 
when Sean was a junior in high school, his parents let him play football again. He wasn't much of a factor on the field, but at that point in his life, he started to become interested in how football worked and the strategy behind it. Sean went to Boston University and zeroed in on academics. He was pre-med at first, took the MCATs and all that, but then had a change of heart. He wanted to teach instead. He enrolled in the Teachers College at Columbia University in New York. That's where his interest in academics and football intersected for the first time. After Columbia, did a master's class, and the project was uh, research a profession in higher education, because I was in the higher ed program. So I asked him if I could research the football coach. Like, that itch was always there. You know, I'm just I'm trying to find ways, but it wasn't sure if it was ever going to be a reality. You know, I mean, here's a guy, Indian, you know, wasn't that great of a player in high school, didn't get a scholarship, didn't play in college. And we all know what the lines look like, right? There's, there's not much access there. That's, that's not how people get into access into this profession. So what did Sean do? He doubled down on one of the tenets of his upbringing, to work even harder. Good to meet you all. Uh, well, first, man, thank you all for coming. I, I know you guys had... Sean Desai didn't waste any time giving Temple a shout-out when he was officially introduced by the Eagles in early May. The honest truth is this is a... Uh, it's an emotional kind of homecoming for me to come back to Philadelphia. There's a lot of pride that we take in this city. My wife went to school here. I went to school here. I started my coaching career here at Temple University down the road, and you know we helped turn that program around there to come full circle almost and come on the other side of Broad Street where is, is a different level of football over here. Humbled to be in this role and really proud to be in this role and really excited to uh, uh, represent this uh, city and really pour back into this city the way kind of the city poured into me and my family uh, coming up as I was younger. Clearly, his time at Temple meant a lot, and he put a lot into it. I think he, like, lived in the facility, man. I'm not going to lie. Like, he used to pull, like, the, the cushions from the couches, like, in the player lounge, and, and he put in, like, the GA office and he used to sleep on them. Satyan Bakta was a walk-on quarterback at Temple. He graduated in 2005, then landed a spot on the original staff of new head coach Al Golden as a graduate assistant. A lot of people just call me Sot, you know. Sot, yep. Yeah, a lot, a lot easier, and uh, it's 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 way more functional, you know. what I'm saying, like in the real world, it just is. <laughs> at the same time, Sean had just started his doctorate program at Temple in Education. He and Sot were introduced by a mutual friend, Sean's girlfriend and eventual wife. Like Sean, Sot is a first generation Indian American. I met him on Elite Horse Walk. It was just, hi, hello. I don't think it was on the basis of, hey, man, you're Indian and I'm Indian, and we connected like that. It was just, you know, like you're in football and I want to be in football. You know, like one of those things. The reason Sean went to Temple was to get his doctorate, but football was still on his mind. To get his foot in the door, he joined the team as a volunteer. Studying education made him a natural to help Sot get Temple's players' grades up. It was a grind. It's like, man, if you're willing to do anything to get in, like, I mean, I'm talking about anything. You know, folding letters, picking trash up outside, like stuff like that, right? Where there were people that were in the building that wouldn't do that. Well, they're not in football anymore. It's just being steady and being persistent and being extremely hardworking, which, okay, throughout the first couple months, like you could see, right? There was no ego involved. For as much as Sean, Sot, and Temple staff was busting their tail, Temple won only one game in Al Golden's first season. But after that, things started to take off. Temple made big strides. And when that happens, 
coaches start to move on to better jobs. A graduate assistant job had opened up on defense, and Sot went for it. But Al Golden had one condition. He's like, if you could find your replacement, I'll hire you to be the defensive GA. So I walked probably 50 feet down the hall. I went to Sean. I'm like, listen, coach said I had to find my replacement. Do you want to do it? That's your way in, just like it was my way in. He says, sure. And like that was the end of that. And, you know, so I walked down the hall and I said, coach, he's right down the hall. Sean Desai, he's getting his PhD in education. He'd be a perfect fit for the academic job. So that was it. That was Sean's big break. This was in 2008. The next year, Sot left Temple for another coaching job. Sean then made the move from graduate academic assistant to graduate assistant on defense. Temple had a breakout year. They went 9-4. and four. Sean worked with a couple future pros like Jay Con Jarrett, who played for the Eagles. Things were on the up and up. Then, after that year, reality hit. You know, at some point, you got to face up to the real life, and I'm like, okay. Sean was finishing up his doctorate and got a job offer in teaching. He had to make a decision. Follow through on a pledge he made to his parents, or follow his heart and pursue his passion. I got a job in hand here. It's a really good job. It's a tenure-track position at George Washington, Research One Institution. I mean, it's, you know, those are hard to get as, as a young professor. I had a real good job there, and I just went to Al said, I, you know, I can't be a GA forever. Like, actually, I'm done being a GA. Like, I just graduated. I don't know what this is going to look like here. How Sean made up his mind and continued his path into the NFL coaching ranks coming up after this. With Wawa Smoothies, transitions in your day couldn't be smoother. Whether you're shifting into the night or taking the night shift, leaping into vacay or planning for the next day, soaking up the sun or getting errands done, get ready to sip into the weekend or out of a Monday with a variety of delicious smoothies like strawberry cheesecake, Caramel chocolate chip or a mango fruit smoothie. No matter the occasion, you'll have a flavor to move into any moment. Make a smooth transition with a Wawa smoothie. I'm Jeff McLean, and this is Uncovering the Birds, sponsored by Wawa. From the time Kevin Nagandi was a teenager, he wanted to be a sportscaster. It's a tough field for anyone to break into, let alone a Gen X Indian American. When you come up with a crazy idea that this is what I want to do, especially in the 80s, and when you turn on local TV or national TV, no one looks like us. So my parents are like, this guy's crazy. And eventually, he'll get out of this. And um, I didn't get out of it. Kevin became the first Indian American to ever be an anchor on ESPN. Sat Bakta, who we heard from earlier, could relate to what Kevin went through with his parents. He's a few years younger than Kevin. But when Sat wanted to pursue coaching at Temple, his mom and dad were skeptical of his career ambitions too. An Indian American football coach? There weren't a lot of those. I'm working like 80 hours a week <laughs> for free. So there was kind of, uh, in a good way, a push not a rift, but some pressure to like, hey, man, like, you know, money matters, right? You want to support yourself. Anyway, it was atypical. You know, maybe my cousins and uh, like my friends 
we're going to med school or, you know, like attacking the real world, making a lot of money and like initially, but you know, it's hard to break in. Sean Desai's situation wasn't much different. He was born in 1983. His parents had certain ideas about his future and the type of career he might have. Putting advanced degrees aside for football isn't what they had in mind, especially when there was a job with potential tenure at George Washington on the table. When Sean reached this crossroads in 2009, one of the first conversations he had was with Al Golden, his boss at Temple. He wanted to find out if there was a full-time job there. He respected it, and he said, I, I don't have anything for you, but I can tell you this, that if something opens up here in six months, I'll promote you to a spot. So I went over, you know, obviously talked to my parents and talked to my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, and made the decision to kind of bet on ourselves for a little bit. We were young and stuck it out for six months. Sean ultimately passed on the job at GW and stuck with football. Sure enough, within six months, Al Golden came through. To Al's credit, Al promoted me. You know, uh, a guy left his staff for a promotion somewhere else, and he promoted me to outside linebacker coach and special teams coordinator. The next year, in 2010, Temple had another great season, and Golden got a huge opportunity of his own to go coach the University of Miami. He took Sean with him. Two years later, Sean went looking for a job in the NFL at the Senior Bowl in Mobile, Alabama, and landed an entry-level position with the Chicago Bears. His final year in Chicago in 2021, he made history when he was promoted to defensive coordinator. He was the first person of Indian descent to become a coordinator of any kind in the NFL. Kevin Nagandi had been following Sean since his Temple days. He was so inspired by his story, he told his kids. Sean's the perfect example of somebody, nothing was given to him. He grinded and look where he's at right now. He's a leader of football players, of men, because of his hard work and what he has done through the years. And, and I brought that up to my boys so they understood that. There are other options for people that look like us if you just make sure your work ethic shows up each and every day and you're good at your job. Those traits stood out to the Eagles. It makes you wonder, what would have happened if Sean's parents never gave him their blessing to continue coaching instead of taking that job at GW? What if they didn't readjust their expectations for him? You mentioned how your parents were good with the, you went to them the one time about the gap year, yeah. then you go, go do this, then okay, the MCAT, uh, med school thing went away. What happened when you went to them this time and said, hey, I'm, I'm doing this? They knew that kind of, each way, I kind of build up some equity because I, I kept to my word. You know, I was going to finish my degree. I was going to get my master's. I got my doctorate. I mean, I did it. I did it in three years, a year ahead of what you should do. I did the master's in a year, probably it's a year and a half to two-year program. Did the doctorate in three years. Like, so I was going to hold up my end. Like, I was not going to not have a, a plan yeah. for what we're going to do. So I think they trusted it and they saw that. And, and they're, they're like... They're, they're really diehard sports fans. You know, they, they do like sports a lot. And it's amazing to me. I, I talk to my wife and my cousins now and even my kids and the access my kids have in terms of knowledge of football, baseball, sports is different because I played it. I went through it. For them to go through what they did and give me access to those sports and support it and do it. And they're middle-aged people coming into the country that they don't speak the language and they're learning it and they're still providing those opportunities is pretty unique and cool and I think a lot of probably immigrants would share that story of you know there's probably a lot of pay that you got to pay it back to to the people that came before you 
they were always there. You know, if you needed money or they were going to work extra. And they embraced America too, like just sports being a, a version of well, that's how right. they embraced. And it. that's yeah. that's you know I don't know a lot of immigrant stories are probably similar. You kind of you you force yourself to find the balance of retaining your own culture and your own roots to assimilate quickly and fit in, yeah. almost. You know, and you're seeing that now on a bigger scale. The conversations happening in the last recent years on a bigger scale, and it's an important conversation that needs to be said because. You don't necessarily need to lose one part of yourself to assimilate yourself to another part. Back in March at the NFL owners meetings, Eagles coach Nick Sirianni spoke about Sean Desai publicly for the first time. Really, he's super organized, right, and has a process for everything, and I really appreciate that about him. And, uh, you know, I, I see those the defensive guys grinding and working and working really hard, works hard. You know, obviously super talented as far as why we hired him in the first place with his, his scheme and his, his thought process on defense. So just getting to see that more and more, you know, obviously we're just getting on the same pages of, of my visions for the defense. Um, you know, obviously I hired him to do a job, but it still have to exist. Nick Sirianni and the Eagles had Sean on their radar early in the search for a new defensive coordinator. All the qualities they like about him, that he's sharp, well-organized, hardworking, so much of that comes from the pillars of Indian culture that we've been talking about, like navigating a big family environment, education, being diligent. These values were ingrained in Sean at a young age. On top of that, you could also make the case that even though Sean didn't end up as a professor at GW or some other place, He's very much a teacher. At its core, that's what coaching is, teaching. It's kind of an ongoing thing, you know, in terms of developing relationships with your players, with our staff now, and trying to communicate in different ways to make it applicable and relevant to each different individual. And that, that's really the art of teaching. And that's the art of coaching. When I sat down with Sean recently at the Novacare Complex, he said the lessons he learned at Columbia and Temple are a big part of his coaching approach and have helped him reach professional athletes, even though he comes from a completely different background. It's one thing if I know the information in this role as the coordinator. That really means nothing if the players can't go execute and play at the speed and the tempo and the physicality they want them to play. It's not fair to them if I say, oh, well, you busted. And that's like a, almost a CYA thing. Like, I got to get them to do it and they got to understand it. And, they, I, and if they're not understanding it, I got to relook at how I'm teaching. Here's what Sean Desai is walking into. While the Eagles' split with Jonathan Gannon was messy, his defense was still ranked among the best in the league, but he struggled against top quarterbacks, most obviously in the Super Bowl. At his first press conference in Philly, it sounded like Sean was speaking directly to Eagles fans who want to see a more aggressive defense. One of the things that we've agreed on, we've talked about as a staff and, a, and really a, a group, is there's a certain mentality that we want to reflect and I really believe in the city's team's got to reflect the city. And we've got some grit. We've got some toughness. We want to be able to impose our will. We're not going to take really anything from anybody. And we want to make sure that people feel us. After players reported back to the Novacare Complex for spring workouts, I asked veteran cornerback James Bradbury what he thought of Sean Desai. What were your first impressions of uh, Sean Desai um, in terms of uh, personality and then what you saw him talk about uh, schematic? Um, he just seemed like a smart guy. You know, he was able to um, teach the guys, you know, what all, like our philosophy and whatnot. I, 
you know, it's a lot of word, verbiage and stuff that's being changed around, so I'm going to have to learn that. But that comes along with being, being under a, a smart guy. You know, he's going to have a good a scheme that's flexible and allows his guys, you know, think and also make plays when you have smart players. James mentioning the terminology brings up a big point. How much different will Sean's defense be from Gannon's? They both come from the school of Vic Fangio, a veteran defensive coordinator who has influenced a lot of coaches. But that doesn't mean Sean's going to call his defense the same way John did. Case in point, the terminology. I followed up with Sean about that when we talked. I would say there's a few things that are, are, are going to be tweaked a little bit different with language and everything. And so that part of it is the connecting point of how you bridge things and, and build on things. And that's right. Like some of my strengths, I think, is teaching and, and thinking on a different level and trying to apply different concepts together and deploying those guys in different ways. That changes year to year, to be honest with you. you know? and, and, and really, we start here the last few years. We're just going to keep trying to do our best to stay ahead of that curve. Being the first of a kind isn't always easy. Just because Sean's moved up the ranks over the last 15 years or so doesn't mean he didn't have doubters that an Indian American could pull this type of thing off. Sat Bakta has been in coaching longer than Sean has. He's now an assistant and the recruiting coordinator at Cornell University. Sat said he's dealt with stereotypes firsthand. I think more in the coaching profession, yeah, like I've heard it. But that's not an excuse to not move ahead. You know what I'm saying? I'll be better than the guy. If I had to be 10,000 times better than the guy that looks different than me, I will. Yeah. What would you hear? Oh, just, uh, hey, you know, he's not uh, like so-and-so color, you know, like stuff like that. Again, I'm not the first person, but again, it is what it is. I put my head down and I work. Yeah. And Sean, have you ever like, have you ever really talked about those? Um, yeah. Yeah. Those, yeah. Those? No, I mean, uh, like there's certainly uh, like private conversations that we've had, you know what I'm saying, that uh, revolved around dynamics like that. But then it's at the end of the day, it says, hey, man, put your head down and work. And if people listen to this thing and hope people do, right, this, this is a worldwide international podcast that will get this thing going for you. Is <laughs> Hey, like there's no substitute for that, right? Doing the right thing, being a good person, putting your effort to be really good at what you want to be at. That's all. Kevin Nagandi ran into obstacles of his own, too. Early in his career, someone asked him if he would change his last name to make it sound less Indian and more universal. Listen, uh, I applied to 50 uh, jobs uh, to get into the business. And one of my mentors said, just get in. He's like, that first job will be your hardest job because you're going to these markets that no one looks like you. And this is 1998. He's like, first off, they've never seen an Indian American on TV. And he was right. The only Indian American you would see was a cartoon on The Simpsons. And that was every single stereotype, right, that I was fighting against. This is one of the reasons why Sat thinks so many Indian Americans like himself and Gandhi and Sean Desai have to work so hard. You know, glass ceiling. Hey, man, I'm going to break through that fucking thing. How about that? So excuse my language, but... If I have to be 10,000 times better than the guy who looks different than me, well, then I'll be 10,000 times better. Just, uh, you know, the way I think. We grew up in a culture that was, hey, you work hard, you do the right things. You're unselfish. You know, you have awareness and conscientiousness of what's going on. Well, then, you know, the good things usually happen. For as professional as Kevin Nagandi is on ESPN, he's also a diehard Philly sports fan. He says he's not going to be a hypocrite. He plans to hold Sean Desai as accountable as he would any other defensive coordinator, Indian or not. 
but this hire is different. Kevin can't deny it. This is not just a hire. This is a monumental hire for, for people that look like us. And we get to root for him personally every weekend because, he, you know, he's now in Eagle Green on the sidelines, right? So it's, it's a combination of pride. But at the same time, it's making sure that the hire is right. <laughs> so yeah. is the fit right? What's his background? But also, wow, uh, we get to double down because it's one of us now on the sidelines wearing that eagle green. Sean sounds like he's ready. There's going to be pressure. The countdown is on for his first training camp, first game, and first season. How does your background, like uh, being an Indian, how do you think that that factors into who you are as a coach? That's a great question, but probably for not somebody like me. And I'm saying it's probably not a great question for the person in that role, you know, because the ability to represent a race or a minority group, and really minorities in general, is really important. But I can't get caught up in that because that's going to lose my attention on what, what my job is. And the only way that stuff gets magnified and amplified is if I do a good job. Right, so I need you to write, man. Sean Desai does a really good job here, and and this is why. And because mm-hmm. you're not going to say Sean Desai does a really good job because he's Indian, and you shouldn't say that. That needs to be amplified at a certain point when the time is right. This was our tenth and final episode of Uncovering the Birds this season. We really hope you had as much fun listening to these stories as we did telling them. Uncovering the Birds, sponsored by Wawa, is a production of the Philadelphia Inquirer and KYW News Radio original podcasts. Our producer is KYW News Radio's Brian Seltzer. Tom Rickert is KYW News Radio's director of podcasting. The executive producer from the Philadelphia Inquirer is Renee Eiffel. Special thanks all season long to Sports Radio 94 WIP, all of our guests, to our sponsor Wawa. And once again, to you, the listener, take this opportunity during our hiatus to catch any episodes you might have missed. And please be sure to tell a friend. You can listen to episodes of Uncovering the Birds free on the Odyssey app, wherever you get your podcasts, or go to inquire.com slash podcasts. I'm Jeff McLean. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore McLean, or find me on any social media platform like Facebook or Instagram or just read my stories at Inquire.com. We'll talk to you soon. Hey, it's Dave Uram from Philadelphia's Morning News. Do you think you're one of Philadelphia's biggest sports fans? Do you know someone who has a great story about their fandom? Well, we want to tell these stories in our Philadelphia Sports Fan of the Week series. Hit us up at kywnewsradio.com slash fans.